0: The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the International Broadcast Specialist, Marketeers. Welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. On today's show, we have Annie Jean-Baptiste, and she is Head of Product Inclusion at Google. So that title might sound new to some of you listening, and it's only even existed at Google for a few years now. Um, And Annie, who has been at Google for a decade, led to the role being created and implemented. So we'll of course talk more about this on the show, but in a nutshell, the role is a way to ensure that underrepresented users feel seen throughout Google's um, product design process. So Annie is also author of an upcoming book. Building for Everyone, Expand Your Market with Design Practices from Google's Product Inclusion Team um, that comes out in August. Welcome to the show, Annie. Thanks so much for having me. So, you know, I think a great place to start here is, um, you know, your your role at Google, Head of Product Inclusion. Can you tell us a little bit about that role? And I believe it was created like three years ago, so it'd be really nice to get a sense of, you know, how it started and, and what it looks like today. Sure. So the role started actually as a 20%
1: project. So at Google, we're allowed to spend 20% of our time doing something that isn't our core role, but that we're passionate about. And given that I had been in the business part of the organization and also was at the time working in diversity, it was really interesting to kind of figure out how both of those things came together. And I think that there definitely needs to be a focus on um, culture and representation, which is what a lot of diversity teams focus on. but we started to think about how we could expand that to think about product design and so Product inclusion is really about bringing an inclusive lens to the entire product design process from ideation to launch and key process points in between. And it's really about just asking who else and bringing voices that have historically been underrepresented to the table at those critical points so that we really build products that are better and more
0: equitable for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I guess one one place to, to think about this um, is you know, for a lot of folks listening in, they are in public relations and they're in communications and they're often sort of brought in um, to launch a product. Mm-hmm. And is that too late in the game? I mean, do you think um, folks to, to make sure that, that the product is inclusive and um, what advice would you give to folks that are in PR or communications um, around, you know, having that lens and being able to have an impact?
1: So we have um, four main process points in the product inclusion process, and they're ideation, user research and design, user testing, and marketing and communications. And so I definitely think um, people who are working in communications have a huge and critical role to play, right? Want to make sure that you're telling real stories, authentic narratives, and again, uplifting those voices that have historically maybe been at the margins. And so I definitely think that there's a lot um, that communications Um, colleagues can do to make sure that you're telling a story that is uh, inclusive and encompassing of a lot of different backgrounds and dimensions. I think of course this work works the best when everyone is kind of bought in, right? It doesn't just sit with one team. And so I would encourage as um, communications uh, colleagues are, are, kind of telling those authentic stories to also think through how they can encourage the other um, teammates that they're working with that are early on in the cycle to do one thing, right? It might be um, doing research outside of um, a city, for example, or doing international research or making sure that if you're doing product testing, you're bringing people from different parts of the organization together. So I think even small things can lead to really big results.
0: Right. So I'm curious what, what, um, what your um, functions um, relationship is um, with with the communications team.
1: Yeah, the communication team is is a really incredible and they're really awesome partners. And so we kind of come together to collaborate again on how we're making sure the voice of the user is always at the forefront. We're listening and we're kind of reflecting that back in in narrative. And um, it's really, again, based on the commitment of all the hard work um, and, and really bringing Googlers into the fold that are powering this work, right? So making sure that the story is authentic, um, that we kind of talk about the journey that we're on and what we're learning in an open um, and humble way and then also making sure um, that we're kind of reflecting users from all different backgrounds and walks of life. Uh, We focus on 12 dimensions of diversity when we talk about product inclusion and the intersections of those dimensions and so making sure again that we're looking holistically at at our users and, and telling that story.
0: Can you talk a little bit about what those 12 dimensions are?
1: Sure. So uh, a few of them are race, ability, ethnicity, age, socioeconomic status, geography, sexual orientation, et cetera. And so what we're really trying to do is to make sure that we're looking at our users in all encompassing, right? So using myself as an example, I'm a black woman. I'm also left-handed and I always tell teams, I'm not black on Monday, a woman on Tuesday and left-handed on Wednesday, right? Like all of those things are always within me and affect how I move through the world and how I I leverage and use products. And so when you're thinking about a user like me or any other user, there are multiple dimensions that make up who they are. And one of them may be more important, right? When you're using certain products, for example, if I'm using scissors, obviously being left-handed is really important, right? But um, we want to make sure that we're thinking about these dimensions holistically um, and not just in a silo. Yeah,
0: you know, that's, that's an excellent point because, you know, there's this intersectionality piece that um, really gets lost sometimes, especially as people look to kind of simplify these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any recommendations on maybe perhaps you do at, you know, what you do at Google to keep all 12 of those components top of line? And to your point, it sounds like you know, depending on what the product is, you might kind of over-index in, in one direction or the other. But how do, you, how do you keep this from getting really kind of like tokenized and really like, oh, we, you know, I mean, the, 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 basically lacking the, the intersectionality?
1: Yeah, we want to make sure that we bring as many voices to the table at those key moments as possible. So we actually created what we call inclusion champions, who are 2,000 Googlers from across the company and all backgrounds and dimensions, um, especially the underrepresented ones that I mentioned. And they're actually the ones who are helping to kind of bring their perspectives and backgrounds and experiences to the table. So an example of that would be uh, when we're doing user testing, we're we're asking these different inclusion champions, right, who may be international, who may be old who may be living um, in different areas that aren't Silicon Valley, right? Bringing all of those perspectives together and then really taking that feedback and and implementing it into what the trajectory of the project is and so mm-hmm. that, that's why it's really important that multiple kind of phases are in the in this process and really bought in because we want to just be bringing kind of the multifaceted perspectives um, of our users and of Googlers um, so that we can really create a product that was built for everyone and with everyone
0: right. So, you know, so that, that leads me to another question that I've been reading a little bit about is sort of this, the, the, the algorithmic bias, right, with, um, with search. And because we're in, this is an industry that relies heavily on having their content, you know, indexed well um, with SEO, um, how, how do you address something like algorithmic bias?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, we we make sure that we look at um, inclusive inputs um, and, and look at who is historically underrepresented so that we can kind of create inclusive outputs. And we actually have um, a, a team that focuses on our, our AI principles and making sure, again, that those who have historically been underrepresented have a seat at the table. And so I think it's a journey, right? But I think what has to happen is there has to be a lot of kind of long-term commitment um, to building uh, and bringing. Sure, making sure that the voices that um, haven't historically been in the room are in the room at those critical phases right and you're not just taking the feedback but you're really listening and, and making changes and so um, that's something that obviously we're um, really focused on and, and really committed to making sure that we, we build it inclusively
0: so I mean is this, is this a role like how common is is having um, a head of product inclusion and why if it's not very common why why? Why do you think companies don't have it and and do you think that will change?
1: It's a great question. So I would say it's not super um, common, but it's really exciting to see um, different companies start to create that role. And um, it's really exciting to kind of start to become part of an ecosystem and learn from one another. I think the reason why it may not be as common is um, because I think we've talked about diversity and inclusion as an internal focus. And so this is just an expansion of that, right? It also builds on a lot of work that um, the accessibility community does as well. So I think it's really just about helping people understand human-centered design um, with the business case for inclusion, right? And so making sure that people understand that there's a lot of power um, and possibility in bringing those underrepresented voices to the table. I think the reason why it's important again, is because we're working to bring the voice of the user and, and users who have been historically underrepresented to the table. And it's really about building the resources, infrastructure, and buy-in um, to make sure that all
0: teams can do that and do that well. I, I, I like you know, that, you are, that you referenced sort of the business case, right? And that you know, basically, you know, if your product isn't reaching a diverse market, you're, you're missing out on potential revenue. Mm-hmm. Why has this argument traditionally not been enough?
1: So I think, you know, there, there are a few things, but I think the main one is, I think at this point, people understand and have seen research around diverse teams leading to higher innovation, diverse teams leading to better kind of bottom line business results. But I think the how um, is something that people were a little bit like confused about or didn't know exactly where they fit in. And so I think that's, that's a big thing is like figuring out what are the one to three things that your organization can do. Uh, we've been doing research on the business case for inclusion, um, and so really excited to kind of share and open source what we've learned but again we're on we're on a journey but i think figuring out the how behind the why is really important and then that enables people to act and, and do one one thing and commit to doing that and and you really start to see kind of the momentum shift
0: Mm-hmm. So you know, I wonder, and because I, I can see folks taking this sort of shortcut and saying, "Well, if I have an inclusive culture, that'll mm-hmm. naturally lead to inclusive products." But it sounds like what you're saying is, I mean, you need to be much more intentional about it than just saying, "Well, we have an inclusive culture, therefore our products will naturally benefit."
1: exactly right I think you know they're they're all intertwined and inextricably linked right having an inclusive culture is going to allow people to feel comfortable to thrive and then they're going to feel comfortable kind of giving feedback that may not be quote unquote the majority feedback right which is what you want so that you can create a better product for everyone but I think you you do have to be intentional right with the, the research that we did what we found, which was really exciting, was that it's not just teams that are majority underrepresented that can build more inclusive products. It's more that teams that have put an intentional focus on product inclusion are the ones that can come to those outcomes, right? So again, asking who else, being intentional about bringing those voices that aren't in the room into the room at those kind of critical inflection points in the process.
0: So when you talk about bringing those voices into the room, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about the pu- public relations and communications industry that, that just really lacks diversity right now. I think our latest stat was it's like 89% white. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're in, in, a, in, a, in a work environment where you currently just simply don't have voices in the room. Is there anything that you could do immediately to remedy that? You know, with a view um, obviously in the long term to to diversify your workforce. But is there anything that folks can do right now if they're looking around the room and it's you know eight white people in a room?
1: Yeah, so I think thinking about different forms of diversity, right? So I think the first thing is I would I would look to um, the extended community, whether it's the communications community or even the users that you are trying to serve, right? So how are you bringing um, the user's perspective and feedback into how you change and, and create narratives and storytelling? So I would go to the Black community, for example, go um, to the community of um, women across multiple dimensions of diversity, right? So again, and thinking intersectionally um, and, and look to bring those voices in, I think. Also, another thing that people don't think about is, you know, a lot of times our organizations are siloed. So if the PR and comms team are only talking to the PR and comms team about the narrative, right, it's going to look a different way. But maybe bringing in some engineers, maybe bringing in um, some people from HR, right, maybe bringing some product managers, or whoever else who isn't always in it, right, will likely provide different perspectives. And so we try to do that even when building out kind of resources and infrastructure for product inclusion because different perspectives are always going to lead to, to better outcomes. It's just making sure that you're intentional about bringing those voices to the fold.
0: You know, I wonder, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's there's elements of in, implicit bias and, and conscious bias with, with product de- development. And I'm curious how that looks, how that's different than, say, if you're trying to do unconscious bias training around work culture. Um, how is it different if you're doing it around a product, you know, like,
1: yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, when thinking about a product, right, like you, the earlier you start, the easier it is. So I'll use the Google Assistant as an example. Um, The the team came to us very early on before it launched and said, we want to make sure this is built um, with everyone in mind. We knew that there was the opportunity for it to say things that are not inclusive, right, along um, race, gender, ability, etc. And and we wanted to kind of mitigate that, right? So the way that we did that was, again, to bring these inclusion champions into the fold and, and do what we call adversarial testing. And So bringing um, these these Googlers and having them help us craft what we would want it to say and what we wouldn't want it to say. And the outcome of that was that um, there were very low instances that needed to be acted upon as it launched because of the the multiple voices at the table and understanding that um, we all come with our own backgrounds and experiences, and that's fine. But what's not fine is if you don't kind of bring multiple perspectives to the table, right? And I think that kind of cross-functional, cross-cultural, Multi-dimensional approach um, is what led um, to those low instances of escalation. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, that, that you referenced sort of, yeah, the Google Assistant, I was thinking about AI and how there's been um, a lot of conversation about AI and, and sort of the, the genderedness of that. Um, you know, we, we talked about algorithmic search. I mean, there's issues with sort of skin tone with automated technology where some people's skin tones aren't picked up um, at the same rates. So what, I mean, why... I guess you know this is a big question, but you know, technology seems like it is rife with a lot of areas where there's, there's exclusionary products, right? Um, what would be your advice to the tech sector as a whole in terms of what needs to happen? And I'm sure, I'm sure your book um, goes into this in, in, into a lot of detail, but, but why do you think that the tech sector is so challenging? I mean, is it simply not having a diverse enough workforce that's going into building these products?
1: I think it's a few things. So I think the diversity inclusion work, both internal and product related, can't just live within one team, right? It has to be something that is believed and acted upon um, throughout the company. I think the second thing is, yes, because, um, you know, tech has um, lower representation of course that's going to lead to um, needing to be more intentional about how you get those voices to the table and how you recognize um, those voices right as they're giving giving those perspectives and I think the last thing is diversity inclusion especially as it relates to product design should be treated like any other kind of part of the product design process right so an example of that is teams are constantly iterating, right, constantly testing their products. And like, you should always be doing that as well with product inclusion. You should always be bringing in um, diverse and underrepresented voices at those key process points. And even after you launch, you should still be getting feedback from the users and still kind of building that into how you continue to iterate and improve on your product. So it really should be a, a, not a checklist. It needs to be something that is constant um, and, and really kind of resourced behind
0: so I, that's a great point about how sort of DNI needs to be sort of integral into an organization and not sort of siloed. Um, in the communications sector, I mean that that's that's been a big a big issue, and it also means that oftentimes DNI gets sort of sidelined. What advice um, would you give as companies are really starting to reflect and realizing that you know this is not just a moment; this needs to be um, a sustainable movement? Um, what advice would you give to companies so that they can? have DNI be sort of an integral piece of their business and it doesn't get sidelined, yeah. Yeah, I would say one thing is to do
1: the research, right? So when you look at um, underrepresented groups, I think there a lot of times is this misrepresentation or or misunderstanding that underrepresented groups don't have power, and they do, right? So when you look at 1 billion people in the world with a permanent disability, or you look at the purchasing power of um, Black and Hispanic Latinx consumers, which is in the trillions, right? Um, You're looking at women who make a lot of the household decisions and also have a lot of purchasing power. I think it's important to understand that um, these demographics are important and they, and they have a voice and they have a lot um, to offer and a lot to share. And um, if you're kind of really intentional about living into your mission, um, as we are you know really building for everyone and making uh, information universally accessible and useful, you really have to think about what that means, right? Universal means for everyone. And so you then have to kind of back into what are the two or three concrete things you're committing to in the long-term and then um, put resources
0: behind that. You know, um, going, thinking back to your, to, to the 12 points, um, you know, how do you go granular so that you so that your programs are effective, but yet they're still manageable? And to give, I guess, a sort of example is, you know, um, for a long time, the, the peer industry, for instance, talked about people of color mm-hmm. and not focusing specifically on the black community and why, um, there were so many issues with 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 retaining and, and promoting black employees and mm-hmm. what's changed this time around is you know on the back of the black lives matter movement is that the agencies are, are, are not just saying people of color they are looking specifically at their black employees um how they're how they're recruiting them how they're how they're getting promoted so you know how do you how do you do this and and, and you know for the long term like how do you you know go granular so that you're meeting the needs of the specific communities um, while still sort of making it scalable and manageable.
1: Right. I think it's it's about the infrastructure. Um, you know, as a Black woman, you know, my community is... Um, definitely suffering right now and, and I feel that acutely as well. And so I think it's about making sure that you're balancing the needs of communities when when they are kind of at a, a critical point, but also thinking through what infrastructure needs to be put into place. So it's not just reactive. It's not just a catch-up, right? So I think um, with the 12 dimensions, again, they all they all kind of overlap and intersect. So when you know, a team is thinking about how to build and make it more inclusive for women, you know, women are, they're women with disabilities, they're LGBTQ women, they're black women, they're Hispanic women, right? Like, so really, again, kind of drilling down deeper into each of those dimensions and thinking intersectionally, I think makes it um, less of, less of a, like an overwhelming uh, thing, but more of an opportunity to kind of, again, just bringing more people into the fold. So, you know, with,
0: with communications and, and, you know, it's a, it's a professional service, right? So in, it, it, there's not often a tangible product. So in, in a professional services capacity, how, how, would you, um, how would you build your services to be inclusive? Because you can't test in the same way that you could a tangible product.
1: Yeah, I think um, obviously representation is really important, but I think think of, thinking about whose voice you're kind of representing and how, um, and that goes through kind of all phases of, of the process, right? So like, for example, when you think about um, like marketing, for example, right, um, thinking about who... Who is um, in front of the camera? Who's behind the camera? What languages are you um, speaking in? Are they um, just simply translated, or did you bring that cultural nuance? And someone who has that cultural nuance is at the table, right? So again, it's about, um, as Brian Stevenson says, getting proximate to kind of the users and the communities that have historically not um, had a seat at the table, and bringing them in, right? Not speaking for them. uh, We always say like, you can't assume what someone needs without talking to them, right? And having them be at the table. And so it's really about making, making the voice um, be more global um, and more multifaceted because you're really kind of building for so many different people who uh, may not look act or think like you.
0: So do you have a, kind of a, an example um, of a case in which um product inclusion went really really well and maybe you know i mean again i'm sure, I'm sure I, I i know you have many in, in in the book but if you have like a, a condensed example that um our listeners maybe can take away um a few lessons from Sure.
1: So I think an example of um, that would be uh, the work that the Pixel team has done um, with skin tones. And they, again, are another team who has really thought about product inclusion and building it in from the onset. Um, As they were building um, the camera and a a few other features, really made sure that um, all skin tones um, were represented. And the way they did that was to make sure that with all product testing, we worked with Googlers from all different backgrounds and walks of life and all different skin tones um, and so the output of that is that um, the camera really beautifully and accurately represents um, everyone and I think that that's really important because photos are about memories photos are about sharing and we really want any user um, no matter what they look like who they love um, where they live right to feel that they were thought of in the product design process.
0: Yeah, no. I, I mean, it's it's interesting because you think about microaggressions, and you think about like the fact that you can be you can have a microaggression against you from your technology, right? Mm-hmm. If you look for an emoticon and you can't find one in your skin tone, right? I mean, it's like these small little microaggressions that you can you know you think it's about it coming from another person, but it can actually come from your from your the products around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think that's why we want to make sure that uh, we're not only adding, you know, removing things that that are non-inclusive, but also kind of adding things that are inclusive, right? So when you, for example, talk to the assistant and can ask it facts um, during Pride Month, for example, right? Like you want to make sure that people feel validated and uplifted um, and that the product is as, as inclusive as possible.
0: Yeah, So Annie, um, I I know you alluded on this a little bit, but I know you've been at Google for, um, I think, a decade now, right? Yes. Um, So again, it would be just great to hear a little bit about sort of your trajectory, and and, and it sounds like when you given it was a decade ago, I'm guessing when you started, you didn't know this is what you wanted to do. Um, and I'm curious if this was always something that sort of informed your work. And at some point you said, okay, look, you know, like, you know, three years ago you said, okay, let's, let's make this into a, into a dedicated function. Or if this is something that you kind of, your awareness was built as you were spending time there.
1: I think it's um, definitely more the second piece that you said, right? So I, you know, I came in, I was in the global business organization for four years and then moved to the the diversity team and was helping our leaders kind of create a holistic strategy around um, culture representation, et cetera. And I think through that, being able to be really close to products and, and, Talk to leaders it was it was clear that there was an opportunity for us to kind of expand the conversation to talk about product design. Uh, if you asked me even three you know years ago would I be doing this full time no because i, I didn 't know that um, this work would kind of grow but I think what 's really awesome and a testament um, to the Googlers that power this work is that there were so many people from product managers um, to people in communications to user researchers. Um, to, you know, our engineers who said, I, I, I am starting to get this. I see that it's nascent, but I want to help. And, um, I want to help figure out kind of like what my organization can do. And it's really, um, just built momentum and built momentum. And I think it's a testament, again, to it not just sitting within one group or or one person, but um, figuring out concretely what each function and what each person can do, because we all have a a responsibility and an opportunity, frankly, um, to just continue to grow and and build um, more inclusive products.
0: So, I mean, you you know, you and and, and when is the book coming out? In in August? Yes, it is, August well, well, congratulations on that. And, and, and one last question I have for you. I mean, obviously, you know, you, the, the book is coming out, so, you know, you hopefully other companies will be able to apply some of the learnings that you all have had at Google. Um, what's next for product inclusion at Google?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of things, I think we're, we're definitely on a journey. So uh, continuing to learn and grow both internally, but also from peers, I think building out the resources and infrastructure that we have, right. Building our inclusion champion pool, building out um, the toolkits and things like that, the frameworks that we have. um, And then also just making sure that we're constantly going back to the user, constantly listening to feedback um, and building that into um, how we build products. But I think, you know, Google has, is really committed to um, building for everyone, with everyone, and I think that with everyone piece is really important. So making sure that we continue to find ways to bring in um, those underrepresented voices and, and knowing that that leads to better products and more inclusive products really for everyone and not just underrepresented groups.
0: Yeah, well, this is, this, is, this is really important work, and there is a strong business imperative as well. Um, so thank you, Annie, for what, what, the work you're doing, and thank you for taking the time to be on the Provoke Media Podcast today.
1: Of, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, thank you to our guest, Annie Jean-Baptiste, and we will include a link, I'm sure you can probably pre-order the book. Yes. You yep, can. So, we'll, so we'll include a link to that in the show notes. Um, and thank you to our production team, Marketeers. And we will be back soon with another episode. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.